0: Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Welcome to the Lunch Alone with Dr. Bayer, your number one show if you are overwhelmed by this healthcare system, underappreciated by this healthcare system, and you're just looking for a voice reason. I am yours truly, Dr. Barry Perry, your favorite board-certified internist, founder of PR Medical Consulting. This week, we have Dr. Randy Hines, a board-certified family physician born in Port Arthur, Texas, who is a family medicine physician currently practicing in Atlanta, Georgia, where he actually trained. And we're going to be talking about the importance of preventative medicine. You guys know I've been on my soapbox probably since you met me, depending on when you join the Lunch Learn community, about the importance of preventing the disease rather than treating it. I know everyone talks about like, oh, all doctors want to do is treat, treat, treat. No, uh, we're, we, we promote prevention just as hard, but a lot of times it falls on deaf ears. But not on uh, myself, of course, and definitely not on Dr. Randy. So remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review, and tell five friends who you know need to get their preventative checkups in order to take care of that ASAP after listening to this episode, of course. Welcome to another episode of Medicine Mondays, your show if you are underappreciated by this healthcare system. Overwhelmed by this healthcare system, looking for a voice to reason. It is your truly Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite Ford certified internist. And this week I have a special guest who, and y'all know, typically when I when I bring when I bring these doctors onto this platform, not only are they just doctors and amazing people in on right in that healthcare field, but they're usually doing something else, right? So I got another podcast host on the show. We're going to talk about obviously him. His his work, his the why he got to the game of podcasting and much more. Dr. Rainey, first of all, thank you for joining this week on Medicine Monday.
1: What's good, Doctor? Very good to be
0: on. So Dr. Rainey, tell tell the people, especially because I I'll be honest, even though your bio is gonna be in the description. I, ain't going to, I, I got some people who ain't gonna read it right so my mm-hmm. podcast listeners I'm, I'm talking to you too like I'll put stuff in the description and y'all be like who is that one doctor like I put everything in the description y'all gotta read y'all read the description but again I, but this is why I I learn. so this is why I always ask my guests as well Dr. Randy who is Dr. Randy for those in lunch learning community who may not know who you are
1: so, Doctor Randy is from Port Arthur, Texas, also known as the city called PA. So, if you have mm. heard the song "Big Pimpin," oh, yes, UGK, uh, come on, come on, come talk UGK. to us now. Yes, yes, yes. So, when they say "Big Pimpin" down in PAT, that's my city, Port Arthur, Texas. People are always like, "What is Pat?" Pat, is Port Arthur, Texas. So that's, cool. that's where I'm from, born and raised in the great city of Port Arthur, Texas. Then I went on to Prairie View A and M University, got my undergrad, got my master's over there. So representing all the HBCUs, mm-hmm. matriculated over to University of Louisville School of Medicine, did my medical degree over there. Um, God directed me to go into family medicine. So I did my family medicine training here in Atlanta at Atlanta Medical Center. Now I practice out here in Atlanta doing family medicine. So you never left right after because
0: I know that happens a lot. I used to be a former program director. So I know that happens a lot. That sometimes, you know, where you train at is kind of where you just kind of dig your roots in.
1: Right, right, right. So I love being around all my Black people. That's why I, I always represent melanin. That's why I got my little melanin hoodie on because I, I, I love I love my Black people. And so it was nothing at that time kind of drawing me back to go back to Texas, like gung-ho. And I just love being around the City of Atlanta and just the culture and the vibe, the food. I mean, it wasn't as much to do in Louisville. I think God had me there for a reason. Like, hey, you're gonna stay focused. If you end up somewhere else, you're gonna be too distracted. <laughs> we need you to finish medical school. Right? Let's you're go. Like, all right. So then I got out here to Atlanta. I was like, hey, I, I like it out here, so I just decided to stay.
0: Amazing. So let's talk about it. First of all, I've I've said this on. Uh, multiple episodes, especially either on Lunch Learning Community or the Medicine Mondays, where I talk, when I talk about my family medicine, folks, I say that one, I think y'all are like the craziest of the specialties because y'all willingly say, you know what? I want to learn about adult medicine. I want to learn about women's health. And I want to learn about kids. Like y'all, y'all like actually sign up for it. I tell people all the time, the reason why I'm an internist was so I can get away from Kid medicine and women's health as much as possible. Y'all run towards it. And I, that's why I commend uh, my family physicians every single time they do it. Because I'm just like, like I know what, like I don't know what y'all went through, but I kind of understand what y'all probably had to go through. So I always salute y'all. What, what was it about family medicine that drove you in that direction? Sorry to break your concentration. I know you were probably knee deep into today's episode, but do not forget, check out our Lunch and Learn community store, shop.drberrypierre.com. Remember to use the code EMPOWER10 and make sure you are leaving us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast.
1: So I think growing up, it was always the aspect of a doctor should be able to do everything. And so that was kind of ingratiated in my mind. And so that's when I went to medical school. I just started having an interest in so many different things. So one week I'm like, oh, I think I want to do ophthalmology. And next week, I think I want <laughs> to do something in the surgery aspect or, or now I want to go into emergency medicine. So everything just kind of kept changing as I kind of got exposed to more things that's what I always tell people when they're thinking about going to medical school and they already know what they want to do automatically like uh, take some time and think because you're going to be exposed to so many different things that open your eyes to different aspects of medicine so I feel like family medicine fit me in particular because it gave me a the opportunity to be able to do all of those certain things. If I wanted to, or be exposed to those things on a regular basis. So people come in and see me, I'm dealing with anxiety. One visit, next visit a rash next visit. Somebody about to have a heart attack. It's like, bam, 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 just so much in a variety. And I always get to kind of sit down and talk to people and build a rapport. Um, as opposed to like emergency medicine, you get all that variety, but you got to have them in and out. You don't build a rapport with that many people in emergency medicine, but most of them, if you do something is wrong with those people really bad. And so that's how they get their rapport. But me, I'm seeing people's whole family. They're referring people to me and just having that one-on-one conversation. I like that aspect as well.
0: Yeah, shout out, shout out to, to my family medicine docs out there. You know, this is, again, as an internist, I definitely understand that need of liking everything. I I remember, because you go in and they usually tell us like when you're in there like, oh yeah, you're definitely gonna like lead one way versus the other. And once I found myself almost to the end of my third year and like, I couldn't even, take it back. I only ruled out one specialty and I was surgery. I just knew surgery was not gonna be (laughs) for me. I said, nope, X out of there. But like everything else I absolutely loved. Uh, And it was just one of those things where, like I got to the end and I said, you know what? All right. It's going to be family. It's going to be I am. And then when I had to say, you know what? Do I really want to you know, know about these kids? Not really. Like, and even when I was doing women's health, they kept kicking me out of the rooms. They say, Hey, is it okay? If he's still like it? it, it was, it was enough for me to say, yeah, no, nah, this ain't my, that's all right. They ain't my cup of tea. I'm going to just go to I am. So definitely shout out and commend all of my uh, FP docs out there. Cause I know Uh, the amount of work. And you said the best, like every visit is a new adventure. And what I think, I think especially helps y'all exceed. And I know this happens to me a lot in the hospital because I started in ambulatory medicine. And then when you go to hospital medicine, the patients are not used to you sitting down, talking, trying to build a connection with them because they're so used to hospital doctors running in and out. So all of my ambulatory docs, especially my FP family medicine, uh, they have that just knack that they can just sit down and talk to a person and they don't have to sit there and talk any much longer than I do. But it's just the way that they do it. That connection becomes almost instant.
1: Yeah, it's definitely an art to it sitting down and having a conversation with them. and you got to learn how to kind of navigate different patients conversation wise, you know, so you got to turn it on and turn it off. Uh, find some kind of common interest when you're talking to patients, some kind of key ground that helps solidify the foundation and the bond between those two. So they'll trust and know that you know what you're doing and what you're talking about. So that's why I always kind of try to expose myself to different things, different experiences, because you never know that one little thing that'll build that bond between you and that patient. It might have been something I did one time in life. And I can go back to that same situation every time I find that common interest, and they will love that. Oh, Doctor Randy, he went hiking one time. I don't like hiking. I can tell about that terrible experience that I had hiking, where I felt like I was going to die. And I just tell everybody, hey, just just <laughs> go ahead ahead of me. I'll make it up there eventually. But they'll they'll see like, okay, he he does do something that I like, and so then and then I want to tell them like, hey, you need to take your meds. They will meet be more prone to taking Mm -hmm. their medications.
0: And I actually love that segue because what we've seen, especially over the past, let's say half a decade or so, is this push to catch things early in medicine, right? And obviously a lot of the driving force has been when we look at what patients have to go through towards the end of their health career, right? Towards the end of life, more importantly. And all of the the disease processes that they have to deal with, especially because of the late effects. And of course, in medicine, this is a business, which I tell my lunch learn, listen to my medicine watchers all the time. This is a business. Healthcare is a business. And they're recognizing how much money they're spending on the back end. They say, you know what? If we just divert our attention in the beginning and maybe you know, add a little sprinkle and a little, you know, emphasis on the beginning, maybe we can save a pretty penny downwind. Instead of mm-hmm. us having to be paid for dialysis, why don't we pay for, you know, that medication that would have, you know, make sure their blood pressure or their uh, blood sugar was in check so we don't have to pay. Like, this is kind of the, the shift that's occurred. So especially for my primary care, my ambulatory folks, and you seeing this onus on, prevention, preventative medicine, you being on the front lines of that, what has been that transition for you? And I know we're going to talk a lot about just this aspect of preventative medicine and why it's so important.
1: Yeah, I think more people are starting to pay attention to their health with COVID coming around, and it's drawing more people in to come and make sure they're quote-unquote straight, and so they won't be in the high-risk category or more so establishing care with a primary care physician because a lot of people unfortunately don't have one. And when it was time to get one during COVID, it's like, well, we're not seeing patients right now or we're seeing them, but we had to reduce our numbers. And so it may be a longer wait until you see someone. And then by that time, it might be too late to catch certain things or they may be out of control. So it's very important that you have a primary care physician to kind of rein some of these things in before they get out of control or develop at all.
0: And when we talk about this aspect of prevention, right, because I'm pretty sure it's been this buzzword that patients have been hearing ad nauseum, especially those who are tapped in the healthcare system. When, when you talk about preventive medicine or when you, when you address your patients, just that level of importance of being uh, preventative in nature, what are some of your... Uh, tactics and like, how do you typically approach it? You know, whether the patient is on the young side, on the older side or getting up there in age.
1: So one thing that I always practice is make sure you get your annual physical and make it a routine. So even with my younger patients who come in to see me when they're 19 or 20 years old, I kind of explain to them, this is how it goes. So they have a good medical foundation of what they're supposed to expect every time you come in. So these are the typical labs that I'm going to order for you for this typical age. And so I might check your liver. I might check your kidneys. Um, If you're sexually active and you're young, we're going to talk about that type of stuff or using protection, those labs that I'm going to order, which ones I'm not going to order, even when it gets certain older, like you're in your mid forties and you're getting closer to, let's just say prostate cancer or colon cancer screening. And they may be, let's just say 42, 43. And they expect that those things may be done at that time or don't know like, okay, you're too young to have this type of test done. You're too young to based upon your family history to have prostate cancer screening or colon cancer screening is two years away. But just know that it's coming. And this is my reasoning for not doing those certain things, because I don't want them to feel like I'm hiding anything or not doing certain things because they may go talk to one of their friends who may be a little older than them. Well, yeah, I had my prostate checked or I had my colonoscopy. Why your doctor didn't talk to you about that? So Also explaining the reasoning behind those things, because people want to be informed, but unfortunately, sometimes people from our community, they're not informed properly or haven't been told. Like I had a young lady who came to see me this week and she was just turned 45 in her last mammogram, I think she was 40 or 41. So I always try to ask open-ended questions, like what was the reason you haven't had one since then because you're supposed to have one every year where no one's ever told me I need to have one every year. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, I'm thinking this is kind of basic knowledge from my standpoint, but if no one's ever informed her, it's my job and duty to let her know like, okay, you're supposed to have a mammogram every year if you know, your pap smear, how often those cycles are. So just informing people so they know their screening exams and how often they should have them. And I would say if you're watching this uh,
0: on the week of uh, this episode dropping, we are recording this in the month of October. Breast Cancer Awareness Month is all around this. So again, uh, if, you, if you are in earshot or visual shot of me or Dr. Randy, Yes, a mammogram is something extremely important, which you should definitely be educating yourself on, because there's so many different caveats, right? You're going to hear you should get something at this age versus that age. And that's why it's important to uh, follow up with people like Dr. Rainey, because Dr. Rainey is going to be able, he kind of mentioned it, he's going to be able to say, all right, which category is this person in based off their family history based off their age, based off their all of these different boxes that may say, Hey, you know what, you might want to get that test a little bit earlier, or you know what, you can actually wait. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's why I commend uh those on the front line, especially when we talk about this preventative medicine, because you guys do so much education, which I think gets lost, unfortunately, because we're dealing with a system, and you know it uh, like I know it, we're dealing with a system. That doesn't typically pay for education mm-hmm. it pays for uh manual work aka procedures like the procedures you do can definitely run up right as far as your mm-hmm. income is concerned as far as healthcare. but what dr randy's talking about when he's talking about having to educate his patient on a b and c and y this test and that test is something you should prefer like it, there was a time where this wasn't a, a thought as far as like you know we should probably pay the doctor's uh, to do that as well. So, when you when you're dealing with patients, especially my uh, especially with shout out the younger patients, and they say, "Well, Doctor Randy, I'm not, I don't, I feel fine. Like, why do I even need to do this stuff? Like, what's been some of your uh, tactics you've been able to work on as
1: far as getting rid of those hurdles?" So, just talking to them specifically about asymptomatic conditions and giving them certain examples of people that I've had in the past before. And I try to basically kind of give them a picture of someone who's around the same age as them or same scenario that kind of serves as a point of reference for them. So like we both know high blood pressure is a silent killer because a lot of people walk around with high blood pressure and unfortunately it's not treated and they come to me and it's sky high. Well, I feel fine. Well, I try to give an example of somebody that I know who felt fine. And then he had a heart attack and I Mm -hmm. saw him months later and he wasn't doing too well. And then he unfortunately passed a few months after that because he wasn't coming back to his regular follow-ups or wasn't taking his medications as he should with the younger patients, telling them examples of doing certain STD screenings and like they're not having any symptoms, but certain things have come back positive. And so just using that to I don't want to scare them, but just inform them of, hey, like there are certain times where you may not be feeling anything. I've had plenty of times when people have been diabetics and no symptoms at all, and mm-hmm. their oh, A1C yeah. is like 10 or 11, and they're mm-hmm. shocked. And I'm shocked too. I'm like, yeah, I didn't expect <laughs> for you. Like, when last time <laughs> I saw you, I said, I said, come back in a year. And now I'm just sending you a message on the computer saying like, hey, I need to see you back in two to three weeks because we got to figure out how to get this together. And so it's just using those kind of examples to kind of just inform them and let them know like, hey, these are the reasons that I need you to come back and see me and just make this a routine habit. I think you've talked about this before about You may use your birthday as a time where you go get your physical. And so just picking some kind of time period of knowing this time of year, I'm going to go get my annual physical. Like me, I think I always start off maybe at the end of the year or top of the year just to kind of talk to my doctor and do like a whole summary of my year at that whole time. So it might be a little vent session like, all right, this is what I did bad. This is what I did good. Let's see where I'm at now. Let's see how these labs improve. And then we repeat it again next year. So just kind of getting into that routine.
0: What's important, I think, especially as as we, we go through this discussion and this importance of preventative medicines, because a lot of us, especially, you know, as caretakers, we've seen what it looks like at that end of the spectrum. We've seen the patients who came into the office and didn't get that mammogram done after five years. And we got to tell them the bad news. We've seen what it looks like for the patient who didn't get their blood pressure checked. And they may end up seeing me in a hospital because now they didn't have a heart attack. They didn't have a stroke. And I tell, I tell patients all the time, our body is amazing at dealing with stress until it can't deal with stress. Our bodies will our bodies will have us walking around here, systolic number, mm-hmm. which is our top number, you know, 180, 190. And you, you don't feel a lick. And then one day your body says, hey, you know what? I've been dealing with this 180 for a long time. You know what? I'm about to put some pressure on the heart, right? I'm about to put some stress on the lungs. I'm about to put some stress on the kidneys. And then once it's done all of that, it said, hey, you know what? I'm still dealing with this 180. All right. Stroke time. heart Like, so because we know what it looks like to be on the other end of the spectrum, it's the reason why you know, especially those who you know follow me, and, and those who definitely obviously clearly followed Doctor Rainey, y'all know why we hit so hard this aspect of trying to prevent the stuff, and we were hitting it hard when they weren't paying us to hit it hard. We were mm-hmm. hitting it hard because we knew that the people who typically have to deal with the ensequela of not practicing preventative medicine typically look like us, mm-hmm. which is which I think for me is probably one of my biggest drivers because it's typically us who uh, gets affected when we don't get ourselves checked early enough. It's typically us who gets affected, right? When we don't do our screenings, it's typically us who have less options for treatment or finding it in late advanced stages. And
1: we we know typically how that turns out. Right, right. Even from a mental health standpoint, that's one thing that I always try to do a check on when people come to see me for your annual exam. Yeah, we're talking about blood pressure. Yeah, we're talking about screening you for diabetes, your cholesterol. But how is your head doing? How is your heart doing? Like, how are you doing mentally? And so I always ask that as an open-ended question and let them kind of fill in the blank. So, oh, you stress who or what is stressing you out. And just let them have a little vent session or talk to me because primary care, we're usually some of the people who catch anxiety and depression first Mm -hmm. out of all the specialties. So people are sometimes kind of surprised by that. You treat anxiety and depression? Yes. Why do you think I have this box of tissue in each? Already? Yes. Ready. It's not because people come in here sneezing. They come in here crying. They're not using that to blow their nose. They're using that to blow their eyes. Mm Both of them.
0: So Ooh, it's a, I, I remember, I remember a time where my assistant forgot to put the, the cleaner box and then this patient, she's, she's bawling, she's bawling, crying. And I go to, you know, I go to do my, cause you know, because of us, we typically know is we go to reach. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. but I got to watch this person cry and I got to excuse myself. I say, Hey, can you, it's, it's it, trust me. I don't think the, the amount of, I don't think people realize how many people be, Boo-hoo crying in there because they're so stressed from life. right? Mm-hmm. And this is we're not even talking about the diseases that may may be uh, having to uh, deal with just from life itself. And a lot of times you, the primary care, is a person that they can vent to because they typically not really seeing therapists. and a lot of times the primary care is also the therapist,
1: yeah, that's a shortage of mental health people. So I tell people I average about, people crying on me per week. Mm. And so I'm the one who has to get the ball rolling. If they want to see a therapist, if they want to see a psychiatrist, giving them that information, asking them, do they possibly want to start medication? I don't like to uh, push drugs. Um, I always like for people to talk out their issues if they can. So trying to find somebody that I know that they can vent to and talk to. So if it's a person of color, if it's a woman, I say, all right, I got a list of Black women therapists. You want them? Yes. Give them to me right now. So I'm like, all right, bam, here's my three or four go-to. Like, all right, you want a Black black therapist? All right, here it goes. If you want a white person, like I have a list of those. Just If you don't even care and you just want to talk to anybody, here's a diffused list of therapists and psychiatrists that you can go to. Because it's amazing the amount of things that when your mind is stressed, Like that, it'll start showing up in other places in your body. Talk to him. Yes, so it's like, oh, I'm not stressed. Like, all right, your blood pressure's up. You're not sleeping. You're telling me you're having difficulty concentrating. We talk about the SIGI CAPS acronyms. So you're checking off all the boxes that we talk about when we talk about depression. And you say you're not depressed, but if it look like a duck and sound like a duck, you quack quacking. And so that's, they go home and they think about it. And I might get a message like three, four days later. Hey, what's the name of the therapist that you think I should go see? I'm like, bam, here you go. Thank you for realizing it. Let's, let's get the ball rolling on this mental health.
0: I love it. Cause and you, you, you definitely hit the example. Cause a lot of times they don't listen to us the first time mm-hmm. because it just like when we talk about blood pressure being asymptomatic and blood sugar being asymptomatic, because they can't, you know, put their hands on, being depressed because they can't put their hands on being anxious they, they like ah no nah, i'm good i'm good like yeah i hear what dr randy talking about but like i'm good and then once they start replaying conversations back and then they start having to live life again back and they're like okay yeah yeah doctor like let, let me stop playing dr randy was 100 on point uh with what he was saying let me <laughs> let me turn myself around let me do what i need to do that <laughs> right, for, right for your patients who you experience, especially in the, in the setting, right? Cause what typically what I hear a lot is, yeah, I love my doctor. I love my primary care doctor but Like I won't be having time to talk about prevention with him. You know, we're in and out. We're, we're in the moving, right? How, how are you able to kind of combat some of those, those excuses of like, I don't have, I just don't have the time to, you know, to talk to my doctor, like my doctor's in and out. Like how do you combat some of those?
1: I mean, you got to slow down as a physician and as a patient. So, we'll start off as a patient. You have to slow down and take care of yourself. Sometimes people are so busy trying to take care of other people and then they come and see me and it's like I got 10 issues that I want to talk about in this 30-minute visit and I haven't seen a doctor in 2 3 years cuz I've been too busy taking care of everybody else. Ooh, and and I always tell them jokingly but also serious like hey, I'm not Jesus. I can't solve it all in one one visit. Like I'm not anointed in that fashion. So if you have multiple problems, you're going to have to see me for multiple visits. And so if you establish care with somebody, we can kind of catch some of these things early and deal with all of these issues and get them kind of in control in line. So you're going to have to set that time aside to take care of your health, or they're going to see you in a hospital. Mm. Unfortunately, if they don't take care of themselves. Then we as a physician, we have to kind of take the time uh, to sit and talk to our patients and go over things and try not to be rushed. Unfortunately, that's a part of the healthcare system that, like you mentioned earlier, it's a business. So we have to see a certain amount of patients or time slots. It differs from um, health system to health system. So that's one thing that As a patient, you may need to do research or ask questions, just talking to your doctor, like, hey, how much time do I actually get with you for a regular visit versus a physical? Because there are certain um, health systems where you may get more time, but you might have to pay more to have more time to sit and talk to the doctor. There are some of those concierge services that allow you to have that. So it's just kind of figuring out what doctor and what group works best for you. And speaking of time, and
0: I've told people a lot of times, especially from an origin story standpoint, one of the reasons why I got to the point where we're recording now where you listen to me on the podcast is I was sitting in my office, talking to a patient, and I could see that even though I didn't, you know, I didn't know for a fact I had knocked it out the park, they still had more questions. But unfortunately, I look up, you said it, like I got more patients to see in the next room. And I say, you know, what, I, like, I, I didn't like that feeling. So I say, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I'm going I'm to record myself during my lunch break. And I'm going to do. And then when, when people have a question, I say, hey, you know, I actually just did a video on this. You should watch. You should watch that video. And that's what kind of birthed, uh, you know, the Lunch Learn with Dr. Barry. First, we was on Facebook. Now we're on podcast. Obviously, now we're doing video You also have a podcast. So I always ask, especially for my physician colleagues with podcasts, what was it about that medium that says, you know what, even though I be knocking it out the park when they see me one-on-one, I I think there's another level that I can reach that I'm going to do it through this medium of podcasting.
1: So it really stemmed from the idea of basically trying to get out more health information during the pandemic. And so I was just sitting at home, bored like everybody else. And I said, wow, what can I do to get out more information? Because in the past, I had wrote like a medical thriller novel. And so I was trying to find a different way to kind of expand upon that. Mm-hmm. So just trying to think about different kind of advertisement ways. Like, OK, like, all right, I post about the book, but uh, it's looking like when I post more about health things that I start getting more engagement. So let me just kind of sit down and maybe just kind of do some kind of educational thing and interview some of my friends and talk about their businesses. But all right, let me kind of do more medical stuff and have more people talking on about different medical topics. And then it just kind of grew from there and just trying to educate people on the go. Yes, we give people handouts when they come to see us, but I don't know if they really reading those handouts. I'm giving them an after visit summary like, Five things you need to do to control your blood pressure. I know if I got it, I'm not going to sit down. But with everybody being on the go and moving so fast, like, how can I just get you to do two things at the same time period? How can I get you to drive home and listen to the things that I'm talking about? And it gets the um, creative juices out of me, too, as well. So I can do my little dry humor jokes. And then this is educating you. And we tackling two things together. Like I get my funny side out and I educate you and you can apply these things to your life. So you can not go into the hospital or get screened or hear some good information that may not apply to you, but you can pass it on to your friends or family members. I love it. And do you
0: do you find especially the patients that you're taking care of in, in your office? Are they also listeners? Is this something that you kind of secretly say, like, you know, by the way, I got a podcast. Like, how how are you letting your patients who see in the office know, like, oh, you know, I got a podcast out here too.
1: Yeah, I let them know. Sometimes they come and talk to me like, oh, one of the key things is like insomnia. So yeah, we talk about that one-on-one in the visit, but then I kind of like put a little bug in there. Like, hey, if you want information, I have a podcast called On Call with Dr. Randy. Like you can go listen to it, like 30, 45 minutes, just real in-depth information, like, okay, someone wants to come in and start PrEP therapy. And so that's for individuals who want to decrease the risk of having HIV. And I did a whole episode on PrEP therapy, because that's a long conversation to sit down and have just one-on-one in a visit. Mm -hmm. But if you can listen to this episode where we get more in-depth, like, that's more that you can have information-wise, just how that medication works and how effective it may be for you. So I always try to put that little nugget in the ear. I don't know if my health system cares or not, but I'm just trying to give more information. And so that's uh, how I serve the community. And you know, what I love, and I, I
0: tell my my colleague because Obviously, now when I do it, people, people are saying, oh, man, I, I would love to come see you in your office. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm a hospitalist. Now. I don't have an office anymore. But I know how beneficial it would be if I had my own office, because I used to get I, don't know, I still get now people who follow me on a podcast. And they again, they're now they're looking for a new doctor. And because that I've been getting able to kind of step out there and say, hey, this is my expertise. This is what I want to talk about. That is, they recognize me as someone that they can trust. So I would, I would definitely encourage you. That'd be something I'd be telling every single one of my patients. Mm-hmm. To, and what I found, especially when I was doing ambulatory medicine with all of these videos, is that now I didn't really even have to spend that much more time in the office anymore because I can go and give it, you know, my, my, my spiel, do what I need to do. And then I say, hey, by the way, like I used to give my patients homework, like, hey, by the way, I just talked about this go to my site, go watch the video. If you have any questions, ask me questions on the site too. I answer them. that it's me. It's not a robot. It's me as well. And I found that it, it just helped my credibility as a physician because now they didn't see me as just a person they were seeing in an office. They see like, oh my God, my doctor is an expert. Like look at his podcast, look at his video. So I definitely would encourage you to definitely, I would like, that would be one of the things because we all know, especially as primary care folks, I'm um, former primary care, we all know what's our 10 most frequently asked, you know, disease process that we run into. So if you had again 10 corresponding videos, now every single time a person comes with a diabetes, watch that video. Every single time a person comes with high blood pressure. Watch that video. And then all of a sudden they start talking to their friends, like, oh, I'm just watching my doctor. Oh, your doctor's on your doctor got a podcast? Like, and all of a sudden, we're just kind of just fermented. and then you become an expert in circles that you don't never even have to step foot in. So I sure. I definitely, I definitely love when my, my docs who take take the mantle to say, you know what? I want to stand on that front lines taking care of my patients so they don't have to see Dr. Barry in the hospital because I done did everything I did to prevent them from even getting to that point. So I love when my, my same doc said, you know what? I don't want my, my amazing gift just to stay within these walls right here. I want it to go out into the world. So now someone mm. who's in Louisville, someone who's in Texas, someone's in New York, someone's in California, someone's in Europe, friends, like everywhere
1: can now listen to Dr. Rainey doing what he does. Yeah. 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 That's what's up. I like that. So I can fuss at them when they come in to see me. You had an asthma attack, you didn't listen to season three, mm-hmm. episode five, I'm we talk them. how to decrease your risk of having an asthma attack. You didn't do your homework. Let me go the ahead homework. and prescribe you your inhaler. Yes. <laughs>
0: I'm on it. They and the patients love it. The patients absolutely love because again, it it gives them that little kind of green, like, oh yo, your
1: doctor don't do podcasts. Oh, okay, mine's mm-hmm. do right yeah, like you might be thing? like that in the future every every doctor does a podcast <laughs> if your doctor doesn't do a podcast that'll be like a d- demotion mm-hmm. because you know they look us up before they come to see us oh already knows so much about 100% us. and and i think that was another
0: reason why i remember i googled my name one day and it was Doximity and us health news and vitals and all these people who like essentially are cuz again this is the business essentially generate money because they had ads all over their website generate money from people who would just happen to look for me and i said no 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 no. i gotta do something i gotta do something different out here this is crazy like you know what i want i want when people to go to look for me they find my website like i want people to look at me they find my facebook page my instagram page my take like i want them to know and look for me i don't want vitals and all these people these rating websites to find you and then they make money and uh and they they make you click like three buttons before they give you my office number like right, now we someone got something
1: got to change it's the ncaa they profited in off your name image and likeness
0: yep and and no check <laughs> no checks coming my way not, not okay.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's i want i want to talk before i get you out of here right because you got to mention on the sneak too right talk about this medical thriller Talk about this medical thriller, and then we're going to get to your business, see what you got going on before I get you out of here. But I can't let you, I can't let my audience, my audience like, hold on, this guy got a medical thriller. Let's talk about that.
1: So that goes back into the education and entertaining aspects. So it was kind of an idea that I had starting back in medical school. So I saw an episode of Grey's Anatomy. I don't watch Grey's Anatomy as much, but this (laughs) one kind of caught my attention. And And I said, "Okay, this is a good episode, but I think it'll be even better if someone from a healthcare standpoint, me, would write something similar and just kind of expand from that story. So it's a medical thriller called Appendicitis. It's basically about a guy who comes goes into the hospital. You can guess what he has based upon the title of the book. But it's a lot of chaos that kind of goes on why he's in the hospital and he's trying to find a way to essentially get out the hospital. But he's learns a lot throughout the story. But the book also educates the reader. So there's different conditions that I talk about in there, and I have a little pictures and inserts, educating people on things like what is suicide, what is cancer? We know what cancer is, that we know it's bad, but if I ask like the lay, I ask someone to explain it to me, they, they really couldn't explain it. So let me break it down into layman's terms and with little pictures that when you someone tells you that they have cancer, you kind of know what's going on. So it's a whole bunch of different topics in there and there's a story. So it's basically putting the medicine inside the candy. Amazing. Amazing. And before we get you out of
0: here, is Dr. Rainey working on anything else outside of just being an amazing doc for uh, those those patrons and those people in the city of Atlanta? Is Dr. Rainey working on anything?
1: So it's a podcast right now. That's the major thing. So just trying to increase my listenerships, trying to expand on the topics that we're talking about. Like this month is... Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So of course, definitely have an episode on that. And then also this is Depression Awareness Month too. So I'll have an upcoming episode on that and alopecia as well. So my main focus is the podcast, but eventually I want to get these creative juices out and start potentially writing movie scripts. That'll be the next thing that I might start working on next year. So i'm a little creative genius in my head i feel like so we'll see if i can turn that into some cash a little
0: bit love it so what what is the name of the podcast and obviously remember medicine Money watchers it will be in the description lunch learn listeners it will be in the description even though y'all don't like checking it it
1: will be in the description but what's the name of your podcast again The podcast is called On Call with Dr. Randy. So that's On Call with Dr. Randy. So you can find me on all podcast streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, and also on my YouTube channel as well. Just search for On Call with Dr. Randy. It's kind of a similar platform as Dr. Barry. Usually have a guest on. We're talking about different medical topics and just kind of make it real fun and engaging. I love it. And- Uh, For those who may be in the
0: city of Atlanta looking for a doctor, are are we looking for new patients? Are we full? Is is people
1: banging at your door? Like, is... I, I'm full. They're banging at my door, but we still cracking it open and letting them sneak in somehow. I thought I put my foot on it, but they still getting in there. Nice. But it's maybe like a two, two and a half month wait to see me right now. And like they're still waiting to come see me. They'll come in and tell me like, hey, I, I've been waiting a while to see you like such Ooh. and such recommended me. I'm like, oh, thank you. And so they're talking about me and someone like the Facebook group. So it's good to have good positive words of mouth going on and that people are coming and see me and there's a way. And it makes me feel better that the stuff that I'm doing is actually working and people are talking highly of me. Amazing. Again, Dr. Randy. thank you for again joining Medicine Monday show.
0: Our lunchtime community appreciates your efforts as a, a former primary care physician I know the struggle that you, you have to go through on a day-to-day basis to get the best out of not only yourself, but your patients. So I want again, I want to make sure you're getting your flowers while you can still get your flowers. And we want to make sure we shine that light and say shout
1: out to you guys for doing such an amazing job. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me on. Keep listening to Dr. Berry. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, <laughs> listen again, share it with your friends, read the show description. And go check out his newsletter. Do all right. Read the get. description, y'all.
0: Stop playing with yes. Thank you for getting to the end of the episode. I am yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre, favorite board-certified internist. Like always, remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review, and more importantly, share this to at least to the five of your friends and family members that you know that could be empowered with the words that you heard today. Again, so appreciative of all you guys' support. See you guys next week.